Hey girls, Maria Menounos here, author of The Every Girl's Guide to Life. Want to know my best tips and secrets for organization, travel, weight loss, beauty, fashion, and everything else in between? Go to bang.com slash Maria and pick up my new book, The Every Girl's Guide to Life. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California, and streaming live on Ustream, this is AfterBuzz TV for Desperate Housewives. Tonight's host is Derek Shore. Joining Derek will be AfterBuzz co-hosts Sarah Stratton and Roxy Stryer. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest Desperate Housewives news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424-256-1729. That's 424-256-1729. Now, picking up where the show leaves off, and the buzz continues, Derek Shore! Hello, fellow Desperate Housewives fans. This is actually Roxy Stryer talking right now. Derek must be doing some Mother's Day nice guy things with his mom or something out there. Happy Mother's Day, by the way, to all the housewives and mothers alike out there um and to my own mom happy mother's day to you Lori. uh okay so tonight although they did not mention it on the show which we found was a little odd um that they didn't talk about mother's day on this desperate housewives episode they did talk about a lot we see juanita expressing some fears of monsters after watching a film and Gabby trying to help her through a whole camping event and and Lee coming to help them with that experience. We also see Brie and her new love interest Chuck on the lane who is the detective and they both do some recon work on each other. I guess both of them have some broken pasts and broken hearts that they want to prevent from happening again. And then there's the fight with Lynette and Tom over vacation whether to go to Grand Canyons or to Hawaii. And really, it's a much bigger argument that we will get into later, the situation between the couple. And, of course, the big story with Susan and Paul and Felicia and this food being poisoned and Susan trying to convince the parents' committee to let her back and, and be a teacher and really getting screwed over by Felicia, who, who didn't even mean to, but poisoned the cookies that are actually going to the parents' committee instead of to Paul and that whole mix-up. So I wanted to start by just quickly covering the Juanita situation and, and giving my two cents on this, which is that really, yes, she does watch this video. She is upset. She sees the killer in the video. But w- why did Gabby never throw it in Carlos's face? Carlos just told Juanita a story about his about a woman she knows, Bree, killing his mom. You don't think that has anything to do with her night terrors? You know what I mean? Oh, completely. I mean, we saw that last episode that um, Carlos told Brie, like, I mean, told Juanita that 
basically Brie helped kill their grandmother. And I think that is definitely a part. Like, once you have that type of... They were so scared of Brie last week going to kill them. Now she's watching these films about death. Like, it's kind of surrounding her. Right. And obviously it's going to have a greater effect. And I don't know. As a kid, I wasn't really allowed to watch too many, like, I guess adult films. But I was always, like, completely forbidden from taking watching any of horror movies horror horror movies like i was allowed to watch war movies but not like murderer movies yeah i i know what you mean i think that it's an overall issue of kids growing up too fast now Mm -hmm. and and parents not realizing the effect that has i know when i was younger the first r-rated i actually think it was x-rated at the time movie i watched was fast times at ridgemont high um, and I, th- I think I was about seven years old when I stumbled upon it in the movie collection, put it on and was just like, what the hell is going on? Clearly really confused. <laughs> Different scenario, obviously, but I just remember thinking this opens up an entire world of films for me that I don't know about. And, and when you're a kid and you want to know more, you, you see something and even though it scares you or you're confused, whatever it is, you, you kind of gravitate towards it. And I, I think this is going to be a real problem with Juanita. Uh, she seems to now, between the story that her dad told her and wanting to watch this movie with her mom, be really interested in horror. Or something. I mean, I think it is a good point to bring up that she, it's like uh, one moment Juanita was like, oh, I'm fine with watching it. And then the next moment it's giving her nightmares. Right. And she's kind of ending saying that she understands it's fake. But it's so back and forth. And I think it is going to be interesting watching her. Because as a child, she Juanita's been exposed to a lot. I mean, Gabby's not the best role model parent in the world, I would say. I mean, we always see her being like, oh, they she's can do whatever better. they want. They've got, gotten better. But, I mean, she's always like, you can do what you want. You can go have this and not buy you things. As long as and, it doesn't bother me. Yeah. So I, it's going to be interesting because who knows how many seasons are left, but what happens with Anita and growing up? Well, I, I think... Uh, Something that really made me think that she has a weird kind of fascination with or fixation on this whole horror thing is the reaction she had when she saw that it was Lee uh, who was holding the axe. She started laughing and she she wasn't pissed at him like Gabby was. She sat there and was like, funny because it's fake you know and mm-hmm. and it was kind of a little creepy little girl reaction I, I wasn't expecting that you know she never cried she never really was even squeezing onto her mom it was more gabby squeezing onto her and and I, I don't know i just think that it's gonna be a real issue that they're kind of overlooking right now as parents and you never really know what's affecting your kid because you don't think about it like that when a, a kid gets to a certain age you kind of think well, if they can if they can pick out their own outfits, if they can get themselves to school, if they can cook themselves breakfast, well, then, you know, really, can I tell them what they can and cannot watch or what they can and cannot do? But how, how old is Juanita? Under, under 12, 13? Probably un- around there. I'm guessing, like, early middle school? Right. De- well, she definitely hasn't reached high school yet, so she's, she's still in middle school, maybe even elementary school, and I, I just think it's... It's like she needs a little bit more parenting. Oh, definitely. I'm agreeing with you. I mean, they pointed out that out even more last week with um, when Bree tried to parent them because she said that like that they weren't disciplined enough. So it's a definite issue, and we're just seeing more, more and more of that each week so far. So maybe that will be right a, a bigger component. And at the end of that little situation, we actually see uh, a man in a hat 
the silhouette of a man in a hat come to the tent and you see Gabby kind of brush him off and she's like, Lee, it was funny once, second time I'm going to kill you. And uh, I kind of turned to you, I was like, who's that? You're like, oh, probably the detective or something. And then we see later on that, and you had a theory about who it was. We see an older gentleman with like uh, white facial hair and to me automatically I was like, that's Gabby's father, who we've learned this season um, had molested her as a child. Right. And we've never, I can't. I don't think we've actually met him before. I don't think we've met him before. And I was trying to search my memory because I've watched, I think, every season. And I can't remember any time he's really, really been described or mentioned any other time. She avoids talking about her mm-hmm. past a lot. And so, but I automatically assumed it was her father. One, because he looked Hispanic. And two, because he was only watching Gabby, which is an interesting person to pick out watching on the street. Because she steps on people's toes, but besides her family, she doesn't have as big of a like, quote-unquote, like, past, as the other women do. Like, a lot of the women have skeletons in their closets. And she's never really screwed anybody over in that big of a way. Gabby's always, like, maybe a little accessory or a witness, but she doesn't have that many things behind her besides her family. So that's why I automatically was like, oh, I think it's her dad. Yeah, and I definitely think you're onto something there. And uh, we see more in previews, and we'll talk about that in predictions, um, that that man actually comes and approaches her. But I'm I'm just curious what you think. If that is her father, what sort of element will that bring to the show? We always talk about wanting new characters to come on the show. And, and are you excited for that? Or do you think that this is, I mean, there's a lot of complications right now going on in the show. And it's kind of getting difficult to follow all the storylines. Mm-hmm. You know, as we were in the car today, you were going over with me everything that happened last week. And it can get very confusing. So is, is this a good new storyline to introduce or are we just putting too much on the plate right now? I mean, if there's if it's her father, they have, I think, two options. One, he's going to have, like, gotten out of, like, prison or something and he's going to come back and maybe want Gabby's money or something like that. Like, he's going to, like, I could see it being like, oh, I want to be part of my grandchildren's lives and Gabby being like, no, these are my daughters. I mean, with all the subtext that that right. includes. And then him either, like saying he's good and actually being bad or like or maybe he is reformed those are the you know the only two options either he's gotten better or he's secretly not better could this have anything to do with the whole immigration story or something like that or do we just think that we've totally dropped that and moved on and that's something i hadn't thought of but i think that that is a possibility and like that could be part of it i from we I guess we were kind of covering a little bit of predictions, but in their encounter, from what I saw her of her face, it looked like she recognized him. And with the immigration of the people who have Gabby's biological daughter, Grace, we never really met any of their other family. Right. So So maybe something in that realm. So I mean it could be, but those are the I guess that's an that is another a option. A third option. Yeah. Okay, so we'll we'll keep checking back for that and see what's going on there but so we don't see gabby actually attempt this episode to talk to brie at all uh which was surprising to me because we know that gabby's always pushing the buttons and even though they they did end on a note where brie was saying you know we we can't have this relationship i can't do this to carlos i can't hurt him anymore uh i i was kind of surprised that we didn't see any sort of interaction between them 
But we we do see with Bree is this new love interest, Chuck. And throughout the entire episode, I have Sarah sitting next to me going, so awkward. They are so freaking awkward. So explain why, what is it you think about this couple that is so awkward and is that a bad thing? I mean, I guess they're awkward to me. It's like they have these little like witty slash cheesy like bantering sessions but is that the is that the writing or is that the acting or what do, what's going on it's a definite combination it's like i could i feel like there's a level of chemistry but it's like one of those weird relationships where like it's kind of like i don't know in high school there's that couple and they're both kind of weird but they like kind of fit together at the same time but at the same time you don't really want to hang around them because they you still think they're weird like, it's kind of like that. Yeah. And it's like, so when they're talking, I'm just, like, sitting there like, uh, this is really uncomfortable. This is really cheesy. and But I get that they get along. But I just feel really weird. And, like, I'm, like, cringing a little. Like, yeah. I guess it's not bad. It's not like they're, like, gushy, cheesy all over the place. It's just, like, they, like, are, like, they have these little jab-ish lines at each other. And I'm just like, this is just kind of uncomfortable for me. And it's really interesting because another thing I was thinking about with Brie is this is a... She's had quite a few love interests in this whole thing to this season. And I was just thinking, all of the men she goes after are so different. Like, Brie does not have a type. I don't know what her type is. She well, I don't know. I, I think that Orson is very much so her type. But I think that she has realized her her type didn't do very well for her. You know, she, she kind of needs to find her new type. And uh, clearly it didn't work out with Brian Austin Green. So mm. she's just, I, I don't know. I think she's just looking. You know, because I do think she has the guy, she's 40-some-odd years old, mm-hmm. that... For the past few decades, she's been going after. And I would consider somebody like Orson, who is more elegant and uh, upper class and whatever it is, her type. But that's why I kind of think this is interesting because uh, because Chuck, he he isn't lower class. He is a little badass, kind of like Brian Austin Green, but not so construction worker-esque. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And as as much as I... He's like a smarter, exactly smarter like man's man, and more similar to. They have a lot more in common, and as as many times as I kind of dug my nails or my pen into you, like, oh, I can't even bear to listen to this. This is so awkward and and strange for me. I'm really into this couple right now, especially the scene with the prostitute, who, by the way, was the most well put together prostitute I have ever seen. <laughs> The hell is that? That wasn't even a street corner. She, whatever that was. Anyway, though, I thought that was a really endearing scene. That you could tell that this guy consistently picks up this girl and drives her to the shelter, and very telling of him. And I really appreciated the fact that Bree took that and really took that for what it was, and and stopped her her ego from interrupting this girl's vision on becoming a better woman and turning into somebody like Brie. You know, because we see immediately Brie get defensive, going, I was not a street, whatever it is. And then she stops herself and realizes what he's doing and lets him actually do that. And and that shows a lot of growth in Brie. I see your point, and I agree that shows 
um, Garth and Bree, and I did like that they add this little factor of like endearing quality to him. However, with that scene, in my opinion, it just went. It was a little too quick. All of it. It was like the girl got in the, in the car, was a total like smartass to the cop, and then he like turns it around so quick. And, and then like, thank you. And the, yeah, and then the hooker like reforms like within an instant, and is all teary eyed. For me, it was a little too quick. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm totally with you. I I thought that too. You know. Uh, in the matter of seconds, she had changed her mind on Brie and on the situation and was ready to go into the shelter and get cured and become a chef or something. And I was like, oh, well, that's doubtful. I would rather see them introduce the character. And I, I actually thought that she was an interesting character and see her a couple more times throughout episodes and, and maybe even have Brie become her mentor and, and have, I mean, what relationships do we see Brie in that aren't sexual anymore? Because I, I kind of would like to see a friendship introduced or uh, not somebody quite as permanent as Renee, but somebody, you know, for a couple episodes who comes in and, and mentors Brie and reforms her life a little bit and is inspiring and or something new and different. I, the show is always throwing us new things, so I'm not saying I'm getting bored with it, but just mm-hmm. she, she came and she left and so what? Yeah, I think, well, what I thought was going to happen actually when um, the hooker prostitute lady got in the car is I thought it was going to end up being the cop's daughter just from their relationship and obviously that wasn't brought to the table and from the way the conversation went it didn't hint towards that at all but he did mention that he does have kids so it'll be interesting if they do have a relationship to see how their families merge and especially with whatever's going on with Bree's son as of now and that'll be I think they could add a lot of Depth, I mean, right. that type of situation always. Uh, another thing I wanted to bring up about the situation was that we saw that Brie was actually pissed at Chuck for doing the background check on her. Uh, wh- what did you think of that whole situation? Do you think Brie had any right to be angry after she had done the same thing? Do you think it's legitimate that either of them did the background check? And, and what the hell is dating come to, as they say? I think that, one, if you're going to date a detective predict that he's going to look you up. Right. Come on. If you're going to date a cop, you're, you you think that. Like, how did she not think that she was doing it and he wasn't? So I was like, come on, Brie, you're a smart lady. Obviously, he's looking up on you. Um, the Indian food thing was a little too much. There's no freaking way, but okay, keep going. Yeah, as of her looking him up through Renee, I thought that was so funny and such a Renee thing to do. You know, know everything. So... Financial status. Yeah, I I don't think it's like repulsive or anything because I think people do it more than you you know. Like now with the internet and with like match services, I think people do look up like at least when they're older who they're going to date. And like Bree's not the not too not really young. Like she's been married. She's have all this. So I don't think it's surprising. I don't think it's that bad. Um. They went a little too far on some aspects, and I think that when you do look up people, it can give you a bias to the relationship, and you don't really get to know them. Mm-hmm. Like, from the start, you go in with judgment, so I don't think it's a good thing to do, but I'm not repulsed by it, and I totally thought that she should have known that he was looking her up, too. Just for a second here on dating in general, this is a conversation that came up today, actually, with one of my friends, and I don't really understand... After college, how how it comes about, unless you meet somebody through work or something, 
how do you start, how do you get asked out on dates? It's just something that I was wondering about today. Jesse, maybe you can speak on this a little bit because Sarah and I are so young and, and having and, and classes with people. How do you go out and meet people? How can you just, do you just, is it appropriate to go and meet somebody and ask them on a date or do you have to hang out in a group of friends or how does that work? I'm probably the wrong person to ask this question, um, <laughs> but it's kind of funny because I, I was kind of thinking the similar, uh, something similar, but where I'm from, it's a very suburban um, and country, and for the most part, like, I would go out and it would be mostly older people, single people, and they would go out and, yeah, they would talk to i mean they would they were like kids they would hook up they would talk to each other they had swinger parties and yeah yeah that type of stuff but i mean uh, for the most part i think you know not to say i don't know what's what normal is but to me my sense of normal which is not the swingers and all that stuff i would say mostly through friends or like getting connected through people you know like very rarely does a detective come to your street and hand you a card (laughs) and say yo hit me up you know it's like it's like in in my freaking dreams and i was talking to my cousin the other day who literally i don't know how she did it she's from jersey she moved out to la she went to sc also uh she works for a multimedia company being uh she does pr for them she's really successful she's absolutely gorgeous and Every single week that I talk to her, she's on a date with a different guy. I'm like, how the freak do you meet all these guys? And they just ask you on dates. She's like, I don't know. This person took me to Soho House and this person did this. Last week I went out with John Mayer and whatever it is. I'm like, I don't understand. Like, do you just sit at a bar and hope somebody approaches you? Or like, do you do the brie and wait in your house for the for the neighbor to come, the new neighbor on the street or new detective to come and hand you your business card like how freaking lucky do you have to get i think uh, jesse hit the nail on the head it's it's friends it's friends like friends or friends of friends any better friends man well and that's that's what i was gonna hey, say i'm I, taking that taking that I, I think like myself <laughs> offensively know. is the word <laughs> there you. we go <laughs> i was like oh my voice is going way down i lost my Aww. thought oh <laughs> no I, I don't know i'm just saying like Somebody, one of my friends, hook me up, man. I'm, I'm meeting all the wrong guys right now, I feel like. Well, I mean, I look at it also like this. When you're young, you feel like, oh, I could go to a bar, I could go to a club, and I could meet the one. And it gets to the point of where are you searching for the one, yeah. for the person that you want. And it's such a it's such a limited space and now they have the internet which broadens it a little bit mm-hmm. but then at the same time people are scared because who are you opening that door up to but so and many people are using the internet so many yeah I mean, so I've, many i have and i mean it's worked out in positive ways for me and it's also worked out in negative ways as well yeah but no, it's I, interesting I, it's like the older you get though i think you don't search for it in certain places because it gets to the point of you know what you really want and I think that that's where your friends come into play. Well, it's interesting because when I was thinking about it, you know, if we remember back a few episodes ago, a few more than a few, but Renee actually forced Brie to go out to this bar with her and and Renee was totally digging Brian Austin Green Mm -hmm. and Brie ended up 
fighting for him and winning and whatever it was. But Brie was really opposed to the idea of going out to the bar. She goes out. She looks more conservative. And she gets to this club, and it's like all 25-year-olds wearing these low-cut dresses, and there's no way she can compete. And remember, she actually goes to the bathroom, turns her dress around, and whatever it is. And what age do you stop going to clubs looking for people and start trying to meet them online and start I, I don't know it's just something that I've been thinking about recently like when I graduate I, I gotta find somebody before then or something no, I'm I freaking think, out over here I definitely <laughs> think people still go up to clubs I don't know I could be wrong like way past college I mean according to Jasper Housewives yeah. you can go to clubs until you're a mom and have 22 year old children and so, as long as you look like Gabby you can do whatever the hell you want till whatever age you want yep see no worries Jesus that girl I know anyway okay I'll, I'll move on my little love life tangent and, and go on to Lynette and Tom's love life who are even more screwed up than I am holy crap on this situation basically They've totally lost it. Yeah, they... They've they've gone off the edge, and I'm so happy that Desperate Housewives has done this and has not just made this a one-episode bump in the road because they're having an actual issue. They're having a marital issue, and we need to see that. Never on TV do you see these long-term problems with couples because you just want it to happen quick. You want it to be one episode and in and out and whatever it is, but we're seeing that they're not letting it go. Neither yep. one of them is backing down. And even at the end of tonight's episode, when I thought Tom was going to say, give his whole spiel, and Lynette was going to give hers, and then they were going to come to some sort of agreement, they don't. And they don't even come to an agreement on how they can come to an agreement. She says, we need to get a weekend away. He says, yeah. Pause. Let me check with work. And she knows what that means. Mm-hmm. It never happens. It's it's a very, 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 very real type problem problem and it's true we've seen this happen this whole season where they've just struggled with their problems and then they get a little love back but then they have a really they have a bigger problem and they get a little love back but the problems are escalating and they're holding on more to the arguments they've already technically settled right which i think is how real relationships big fights happen it's you get you have all these fights and you make up but as, but then this one thing sticks that although you might get through it once, it is still at the root of your next fight. Right. And the way it came out in this episode was, in my opinion, completely ridiculous. We saw Lynette and Tom have a presentation vacation competition in front of their kids, f- complete with PowerPoints and posters. And I thought that... Wait, ridiculous as in unrealistic or ridiculous as in you didn't like it? Or you did like it, but it was over the top. It was over the top. Um, I don't think, I think that parents fighting about that type of, like, vacation and plans and stepping on each other's toes is real. Parents holding presentations, bringing the boardroom to the to the home, that was over the top. Mm-hmm. But the, Lynette and Tom's fighting afterwards and around that was very real. So that right. made it okay to me. Like, if, if they had just been like, oh, it's fine now, I wouldn't have been as okay with the whole setup of their of their vacation duel but because of the realness around it in their relationship I like was okay with it right. if that makes sense. No, I definitely know what you mean. Um my big question about this whole thing was so we all have these couples, these friends who are couples or couples who are friends of ours that we look at that never fight and you're like you know, they're very rare, but you have that friend, couple, couple friends mm-hmm. that you look at 
and you think, holy crap, they never fight. I don't know how they do it. They are so in love. What the hell is that? And I and I, I found, my, found myself thinking this episode, well, does it make Lynette and Tom's relationship any less legitimate because they fight? Does that mean that they are less in love than the couple that never argues? You know what I mean? No, I think it just means that, like, people have different personalities. I mean, fighting as much as Lynette and Tom do, I think at this point is not okay. Like, they're at the point where I could see, I would kind of understand them taking a separation or something. I wouldn't like it, but I could understand. Yeah, I could understand it. But for couples that fight, like, once in a while and get through them versus couples that never fight... Honestly, I wouldn't say the one's more in love than the other. Sometimes it's just personality. Like, I have friends who have gone out together and are great couples, but sometimes their personality is so similar that they can't help but fight. Right. And, like, sometimes with people, fighting actually, like, helps your relationship because some people hold things in too long and don't fight, and then there's one explosive fight, and then they break up. Yeah. And you're like, what happened? You never fight. And then you you had one fight? Like, yeah, and that, and that was that? Really? What? And And then they're like... No, because, like, they hold it in for so long that the one fight can right. end it after not fighting for so long. Personally, I know that I will never be in a real relationship, uh, a functioning relationship that doesn't consist of arguments. Because I I have the kind of personality where, I mean, I, I have learned a little more to pick my battles, but I can't be with somebody that passive. And I, I've found through the people that I have been dating or whatever it is that if you're not willing to fight with me if I'm being ridiculous then what the hell you know I'm then you're not then you're not intelligent enough to hold an argument you know like as stupid as that sounds and I'm not saying that I want to be with somebody that I'm fighting with all the time and definitely not over stupid stuff but as people you are two separate people so you're going to disagree on things not everything, but on some things, you're going to disagree. That's the way life is. No two people agree on every single thing. So if if you're going to just decide that I, you disagree, but you're going to let me win the battle because you're too lazy to fight about it or you don't care enough to fight or, or whatever it is, then I am, have no interest in the relationship. And, yeah. I, and I think that with Lynette and Tom, we can all feel how much love there is there. And it, it is a struggle. It's a constant battle to keep their relationship afloat. But I don't think that attests to their love. I think it's just the fact that they have four, is it four? Four kids, I think. Four or five kids. Well, they have a bunch of kids. Wait. They they should have a baby. Right. Where's the I don't, baby? I don't know where the baby is. So it's five kids, including the baby. They have been married for a very long time. They have issues constantly with their parents getting involved, uh, money issues, uh, issues with success, power issues. power issues, whatever it is. Of course they're going to fight, especially when you have a woman with such a strong personality, which usually in relationships, not to be stereotypical, but usually it's the other way around. Of course they're going to fight. And, and I don't really know how they're going to get through this one. Because this is seems to me to be the biggest fight, the most monumental fight that they have had up to this point. It's not the most that they've screamed at each other. It's not that. It's that they really right now, there is no clear solution. I can't sit there and tell you I think one of them's right. And usually I can. I can usually sit there and say, Lynette's being a bitch. Tom's right. Or 
oh my God, Tom is such a sob story and annoying. Lynette is a good girl. Whatever it mm-hmm. is, I can't sit there and say that this time because I totally get both sides. Well, I think what makes this one such a big fight is and such maybe, maybe a not get through fight is that in this fight there has become there has been a personality change. And right. most of the other fights, right? It, and it's been pointed out multiple times, Lynette was the person who already had the power. And Tom didn't have as much to back himself up. He didn't have any uh, ammo to really throw at Lynette. You know what right. I mean? Right, no, I know exactly and what you mean. Lynette has a stronger personality than Tom. But now we're seeing, like, a personal change in each of them where Tom is getting that power behind him. So he... Now, he's changing his self view of himself. His I self think view is, of himself. Like no, but really, I think no, I know he, what you mean. his personal identity is changing, and that's what makes this fight so huge. Because Tom now sees himself as equal, if not greater, in a way than Lynette, and that's never been there. He's always been this person who's like oh my gosh, I have to live up to my wife, I have to live up to my wife. Right. And it's this huge, like, mental change that now he is at her level. He's doing more than she, he's making more money than she ever but did. So is that wrong? Is what he's feeling and what he, and how he is acting wrong? Is he in the wrong? No, I don't think either one of them's, I don't think, I'm in the same boat as you, I don't think either one of them is really in the right or either one of them is really in the wrong. They both have very strong arguments and I completely understand why they're fighting. Um, more so I would say Lynette is in the wrong just because he, he is trying really hard and he's doing everything she wanted. You know what I mean? Right. But at the same time, I understand why Lynette feels like he's take, he's too much at work and it's not okay for him to step all over her plans and all that. But I think that the bigger problem here is that they have personal changes and Lynette hasn't dealt with her him changing and her needing to change to so two-part question in in the situation as Tom what do you do and as Lynette what do you do because we know they both want to make this work we know they both want to make their marriage work they want to get better they want everything to go back to the way it was Mm -hmm. so first as Tom how do you start doing making those steps progressing? And, and then as Lynette, how do you follow? I mean, what I think you have to do is for Tom, his is a little simpler. At least set aside a certain amount of time a week for family time. I feel like that's something everyone can do. Like, it's not that hard to ma- say... Allocate time. Say, family. every... Saturday night, we're going to have date night, and every Sunday, we're going to have family day. Because he even admitted that even when he's not in the office, his head's in the office. Yes. So make it so that his head is not. Exactly. And then no, you can't schedule meetings during that time, no matter what. Like, pretend like it's another meeting. Like, that's what you do on his. And that's something, like, I think a lot of people can do. For Lynette, hers is a lot harder. I think hers is a mental change. Like, she actually has to be thankful that Tom is trying. She actually has to take a step down and realize that she can't be the boss of the family and realize that she kind of tries to be. So even if she could see that, it's it's hard to tell yourself what to do. Uh, c- quick side note, uh, I have a friend who recently came up to me devastated because she found out that her boyfriend watches porn. Um, I... I thought this was extremely humorous. 
of all guys watch porn. Every boyfriend I've ever had watched porn, and and she was crying to me saying that she could not believe her boyfriend was staring at other women, and and after asking maybe twenty people about it, who all said, "Of course he watches porn. All guys watch porn." She's sitting there and she goes, "I I know I get that I'm in the wrong now, but how do I mentally?" change my state to thinking that I'm in the wrong. So I, I think it's hard that, I mean, I, I sat there laughing and, and I kind of do the same thing with Lynette. It's like, Lynette, you you seem dumb to me right now, you know, step down and, and be thankful. You pushed him into this position. But even, it's one thing to know. It's one thing to realize that you are being foolish. And it's another thing to actually convince yourself to feel a certain way. And I, I think that she's really struggling with that. Yeah, that's that's my point. Like, it's a mental change. It's not something you can order. But we've seen her do that. I need to step down. I need to step down. I need to step down for a, a kind of a long time now. So are you ready to see her actually so step I'm down? I'm ready for her to have some sort of realization that she needs to step down. Like, she needs to. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if she's going to have to or if there's going to have to be some... Horrible thing happened on the lane. I don't know if she's going to need to separate him from him and realize that she needs him. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the kids ganging up and telling them that they're proud of their dad, something. There needs to be a mental click. I think right. it could happen with a snap of a hat. It could take a lot of work. But it's something she can't demand, demand herself to change. It's something that is just going to have to change. Okay. Okay, speaking of unresolved sticky situations, we have this whole Susan Paul Felicia fiasco. All right, basically the rundown of this is Susan, having a little bit of survivor's guilt, is trying to provide Paul with a support system uh, through company and food and trying to make him feel less alone and more comfortable. And and she's doing this, but in the meantime, Felicia is taking advantage of Susan and coming over to Susan's house and while Susan's turning the other way is actually poisoning Paul's food. And of course, Paul doesn't know that Susan's been hanging out with Felicia and he assumes that Susan is the one who's been poisoning him after he's gone to the hospital and he gets the food tested. Now, the first question, as obvious as it is, that I'm going to ask is, why didn't Susan, before running out of Paul's out of Paul's house, turn to Paul before she leaves to go figure out the cookie situation and say, Paul, I've been hanging out with Felicia. It must have been her. Why didn't she just say that? I don't know. I There's a lot of... I get this plot. I get it. I mean, it's kind of clever. But honestly, I've had a lot of questions about that. That's the main one. Like, she, her, she knew it. She felt... We saw her think Felicia was there. I just there. don't like when they do that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, you can ask me to to uh, dispend my belief or whatever, mm-hmm. like not be completely realistic, whatever it is, but come on, man. Yeah. Like, uh, come on. And then there's two other questions. Okay. If Susan runs out being like, the cookies. Then why does he go get the police? The, yeah, wouldn't you realize she wasn't trying to poison a school of children? Like, that's another thing. Third of all, on Felicia's part, Susan is a mom. Like, what if she kept some, like, when you bake cookies, I don't know about you. No, Felicia just does not give a crap. Felicia does not give a crap who she's hurting. And then how does that not happen? Like, how does does Susan bake cookies and brownies all the time 
and not ever try one, and not ever give one to MJ. And you know what I mean? Like, when you bake cookies or you bake brownies... You're and you definitely have... eating the batter, at least. I yeah. mean, if you... Oh, the people that don't eat the batter, I do not understand. Since I've been, I've been a little ill this week, and I have baked brownies, cookies, cake, whatever it is, I sat there and said to myself, I am not going to eat any batter. I don't know what it is. I cannot help it. I eat at least 500 calories worth of batter every single time, no matter what I make. So, different tangent, sorry, but no way. Do not tell me, Susan Delfino, that you are baking him something every single day and you are not licking the bowl after. Exactly. I do not believe you. Or that your, her son isn't there once a try. Okay, Desperate Housewives, I do not believe you. <laughs> are Roxy you listening to me? I do not believe you. Someone has to be licking the batter. And I'm with you. Like, that's the thing. Like, this has been going on for quite a while now. How has no one else had this food? Like, it may not kill you one bite, but one bite is going to make you nauseous and upset. How has it not and, come and up? And the fourth question, where the hell's Mike? Why is every other husband always on the lane and he's just sometimes in Antarctica, sometimes in Alaska, sometimes home, sometimes with MJ and sometimes just doesn't appear for weeks? I don't know. There's a lot of there's that there are a lot of questions. And, where, right and now. where is MJ for that matter? Exactly. And where's the baby of the dove? And why do they all of a sudden have money to move back in the house? Oh, that's from the poker. Remember? Oh when- yeah. Mm-hmm. Finally, a question that can be answered. But you know, I really feel like the show, on a regular basis, does a good job covering their own ass. They they cover the storyline, they answer the questions. But with Susan, it's like, what the hell? Get it together. You, yeah. You're not answering my questions, and frankly, the plot line isn't interesting enough right now to to make me be like, eh, I don't even care that I don't believe it. What I'm gonna get angry at is if next week we see Susan in jail. And them not believing her or something. Yeah, because like, that's the way the episode ended. When when the voiceover comes on and Mary Ellen's like, and will, and you sit there and you find yourself thinking, will they believe I'm not guilty? Like, Are it, you kidding me? It should be really, really, really clear. Like, All I Susan should have to say is, listen, Paul, when I was baking, Felicia was there. Yeah, and it, I... And I, I could totally see Felicia doing something like planning the antifreeze in her in her thing. But, you know what? I don't care. Literally, I want Susan to get out of that thing right away. It's ridiculous if she gets held. Like, it's an automatic excuse that she wouldn't try and poison her son's thing. Like, the school thing. Like, if you're and trying to poison And then run there and try to someone, stop it. Yeah, and then try and stop it. And then embarrass yourself in front of everyone and knock all the cookies out of everyone's hands. Like, if you don't believe her, then you're trying to... And I thought no the one... reason that they needed Susan's cookies was because everybody fell through with the cookies. Why were there so many freaking cookies there? Yeah. What the hell, Desperate Housewives? What Come the on. hell with the Susan story? No, no, in all seriousness, frustrating situation, but uh, I, if I was Paul, I'd be furious. Oh, yeah. I totally get why he's so pissed. I don't think I would have called the cops, but uh, weird. Like, yeah. wh- why? But then again... He must be thinking the situation's weird because why would Susan go so far out of her way to, to do, that. do that? Yeah, and then I'm wondering, why call the cops at that moment? Like, why not call the cops when you found out about the yeah, casserole? Yeah, she runs, she runs out and you think, oh, she just ran out. 911 yeah. for sure. Yeah, or like, like, why confront her and try and make her eat the lasagna and then call the cops? Like, it just didn't make sense to me. Or, or why didn't she just say... I'm not poisoning your food, Paul, and then take a bite of the food she just made him. Yeah, that was weird, too. You know, something, anything, like, 
the, I don't know, just too many holes in the story. But other than that, I think that they did a really good job this episode. And, and overall, I mean, next week is the finale. So overall this season, I think they've really done a, a kick-butt job. And, and Susan has had a couple good stories between her dialysis and the situation with moving off the lane and, and mm-hmm. that whole deal. But this oh, one to me... Oh, what was it called? The cleaning? What was the name Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, um, I totally forget. What is it? I, I, I'm totally. I totally. I don't know her. Forgot. Her little prostitute cleaning service. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm sure the second we end the show that we will remember. But anyway, so so I do think that they overall uh, we've had a pretty good season. And next week we have the two hour finale, which mm-hmm. should be really exciting. And we we can talk about predictions and get to that after we have our commercial break and then talk about the news and gossip. Alrighty. Want to find out what the after buzz is about? Janice is a drama queen. This yes. is the divide that is going to carry the series. Give us a call. 424-256-1729. 424-256-1729. This television, and they want it to be as dramatic as possible. I mean, it's Shakespearean. You never know what goes on behind closed doors. Find out why After Buzz TV is the number one source for after show content. Now, in the eyes of Jimmy... Nucky is a villain. 424-256-1729. 424-256-1729. Four, two, four, two, I mean, who would you guys rather hear that from? Your husband or your best friend? <laughs> the wig! The wig will come out that wig. When the TV show is over, get your After Buzz on. After Buzz TV News. So, Mark Moses knows Shady. The actor has appeared on Desperate Housewives since 2004 in the role of ex-convict Paul Young and will soon take a similar persona over to the to USA. E- uh, Entertainment Weekly reports that Moses will guest star on Covert Affairs this summer as the suspect in a CIA investigation. You know, I totally understand typecasting, but... I get frustrated when the same actor plays the same role and just a different show all the time. It's like, I really, maybe it's because I'm an actress, but I want to see what you can do. So tr- I know it's not really your choice, but try to take parts that are a little different or try to, aud- I, I don't know. It is tough, but I- I'd like to see what else he could do besides kind of be a creepy guy. Maybe he turns out to be a good guy in the CIA investigation. He kind of turns out to be a good guy in Desperate Housewives, though. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. So, Elizabeth Rodriguez has claimed that Susan Lucci has inked a deal with ABC to join the cast of Desperate Housewives. Reports first surfaced last month claiming that Lucci would join the drama following the cancellation of long-running soap All My Children later this year. Okay, you don't understand. This one hits home. Devastating for me that All My Children is off the air. Devastating. My mom. I've been watching since I was seven years old. My mom is the biggest fan. She called me bawling. I thought somebody in my family had died when she heard that all my children was getting off there. So she also is a major fan of Desperate Housewives. Susan Lucci coming on the show will do great things for the Stryer family. I kid you not. Okay, I'm interesting. I'm wondering if it's going to take it a little too soap opery. Soap opery. I can talk. Soap opery. Soap opery. Like, too far, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean, but actually, I, I think Susan Lucci is pretty talented, and I wonder what role she'll play. She's, she's a little older, so I don't know exactly how she's going to fit in. Uh, still a beautiful woman, but if she will be one of the Desperate Housewives, if she's a new Lane member, or whether she comes in as a mother, or what her mm-hmm. deal on the show is. So, it'll be well, interesting. Definitely. 
Jonathan Cake has revealed that his romance on Desperate Housewives will encounter some problems. Cake's character Chuck arrived on Wisteria Lane in the previous episode of the show and began flirting with Bree. Cake explained that uh, Chuck is attracted to Bree's wild side. As a detective, he's sort of drawn to this woman who seems both quite proper and conservative, yet can't seem to stop herself from being drawn into these sort of crazy, lurid scenarios. You know, it's hysterical to me... Because four years ago, or even a year ago, if anybody had ever said that they were attracted to Bree's wild side, I would have said, you're thinking of the wrong character. Bree, wild side, you know? But now she really does have one. I mean, I, I did like the comment where he was talking about her her record, and he goes, well, I mean, I was like a woman or something who had like four handguns and a thirty six caliber shotgun or yeah. rifle or something along those she lines. She is a... B-A-M-F. For sure. Badass. Go ahead, Brie. Yeah, you get it, Brie. A judge has ruled that Nicolette Sheridan has a strong enough case against ABC and Desperate Housewives creator Mark Cherry to warrant a full trial by jury. Sheridan filed a lawsuit against both parties in April last year, claiming that her Desperate Housewives contract had been wrongfully terminated and that Cherry had struck her... When she complained about the decision to axe her character, Eddie? Edie. Edie Britt. You know, this is interesting because we we actually, uh, not on air, but last week with Derek, we were talking about Edie and, and what whatever happened and what the deal was. And, and she claimed that Mark Cherry actually abused her, physically abused her. And, and that was the situation there. And, and it always seemed so strange to me because... Why Why her? You know, he, everybody else says what a good guy he is. The likelihood of him just randomly picking one of the stars of his shows and abusing her? Uh, Sounds weird little, to me. A little far-fetched, but I wonder if there's new evidence or why, why uh, all of a sudden they think she actually has a case against this. And this is my other little tidbit on this. I don't know, between this and, like, Charlie Sheen, I don't know. There's something that rubs me the wrong way about people suing once they get kicked off shows. Because for the most part, I think it's normally rightfully deserved. Like, either people don't like you, you're not helping the plot, you're bad, you, like, hurt the overall product of the show. I don't know. So some of this stuff kind of rubs me on the wrong way. And when she was getting, when she got axed off, it was because there was a lot of onset drama, correct? Well, I, I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know the actress, but I thought I was pissed... I was pissed when she got kicked off the show. I loved her character. I mean, I, lo- I really I don't know if she was causing a lot of problems or what it was, though. What I remember, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was having a lot of problems with other castmates, especially, I think, Terry Hatcher. That's that's what's sticking out of my memory, so I might be yeah. imagining things, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And that I do understand. I under- like They've done that on so many shows. And... Like, that's the whole thing. you got to be professional or you lose your job. That's how every because job works. Y- People get fired. You don't get to sue for the money you haven't made yet. Right. You know, being an actress, yes, on, on screen it's glamorous, but you're that's going to work. You know, you're, you're a working actress because you're working. And if you can't put aside your celebrity status and work, then you don't deserve to be an actress. Exactly. And so from what I remember, it was because of, like, social issues that she got kicked off and so I it's just is really annoying to me that she's suing them right I agree 
Desperate Housewives actress Terry Hatcher appears on the cover of June's issue of Prevention magazine on Stands Now. And we got a sneak peek from the magazine's exclusive interview, and apparently the twice-to-force star is on a serious manhunt. She is herself a desperate housewife, then. A little bit. I don't know what the deal with any one any uh, woman on the show being on a manhunt I know any man I know would be lucky to have any one of these women. Jesus, seriously, and I hear nothing but great things about this actress. So I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all the best women that struggle finding men. That's what I keep telling myself, at least. That's what I tell myself at night when I don't have a man next to me. Just kidding. Well, that's your After Buzz TV Desperate Housewives news and gossip for the week of May eighth, twenty eleven. And now, your After Buzz TV predictions. Okay, predictions for next week. The big finale. Yes, the big two-hour finale, which luckily is not the last episode of Desperate Housewives ever, uh, because we were scared for a little while that it would be. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's not, so good thing for that. But it is two hours, we've got a long one, and we have a lot of ends to tie up. So what are we going to see? Let's start with the Susan situation. So, Susan, you think she's going to jail? You think she's not? I, I know you don't I, want her she, to be, but what, what do you think is going on she's there? She's getting out of jail. There's going to... But I, she, Susan is going to get out of this, and somehow Felicia's going to get out of this, too. I don't know how that's going to happen, but, but I feel like it's going to happen. Okay, and, and Paul is going to be left pissed at Susan or reconciling? Or what, what's going to go? I think Paul is going to think Felicia did it. Okay. I think this this kind of blew up in Felicia's face. I don't think she expected him to go get the food tested. He was a little too smart for her, I think, on this, and I think he's gonna he's gonna know or something. Yeah, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, moving on to the Bree situation, this new guy we see in predictions that Lee's gaydar is going off, and that he thinks that Bree's new Chuck is gay. I wasn't getting that vibe at all. I wasn't either, but maybe they'll throw like. A person who's bisexual into the mix. Yeah, we saw somebody like pinch his ass or something. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know. What I could see them doing that. Have they had a bisexual character before? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know if I see Bree. Remember last week when we were talking to Derek's friend, he said that the character introduced um, in last week's episode was going to be a, around for next season. So I don't know if maybe he won't stay as Bree's love interest then. But I don't know if I could see Bree accepting. A guy who was bisexual. That is true. Who knows? I maybe who knows. I'm gonna <laughs> leave that at who knows. M- moving on to Gabby and the whole situation with Juanita. I just see Juanita falling apart a little bit here, and uh, and I don't know exactly how Gabby and Carlos are gonna deal with this, but definitely the finale. We're we're gonna see a little bit of um, Juanita not being able to hold herself together. I'm pretty sure. I'm not as convinced. I don't know how much they'll focus on Juanita just because she's okay. had a lot in these past two episodes. And they normally don't have... She's normally not that involved in the show. So, so you think they're just kind of going to brush I that think, under the rug? Or what, what's going to go on I think that's going to get brushed under the rug. And I think it's going to be all about this weird guy. And I think oh, we yeah. saw in predictions that it looked like he was in Gabby's room. She was kind of naked in bed. I, I, I don't know. Something. Or something. Sleeping. Whatever the, the deal was. Who knows? But it looked like she was in her bedroom. 
and it looked like she recognized the guy. I think that's going to be the big thing with them. And, like, he broke in. Yeah, or something. And then maybe Juanita's really actually scared because there is something to be scared of. Yeah, who knows? And and he is the goblin. And our our last story... Oh, actually, we didn't talk about Renee at all. I don't... She doesn't really... We did see her kiss someone in the... Oh, see, it happened so fast. I, 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 I believe I saw her kiss someone. It didn't look like someone from the lane. I don't know who it was. So I think we're going to see... Oh, that's nice. I would definitely like to see something open up mm-hmm. for Renee there, a little love interest to be introduced for the next, next season. season. Because, yeah, she definitely deserves it. I think that's Jennifer. something that will get introduced next episode, but I don't think will get resolved next episode. Of course not, right. And I think that's something that they'll carry on to next season. But it did look like some sort of love interest for Renee. Okay, and and the big drama with Lynette and Carlos, uh, I mean with uh, and Carlos, Lynette and Tom, the situation here, are we going to feel satisfied at the end? Is there going to be a position where we think, okay, this couple's going to make it? Are they not going to make it? What are we thinking is going to be the by the end of the two-hour finale, what is going to be their status? I just have this horrible feeling in my stomach that they're going to leave us hanging. You know? Okay. Desperate Housewives loves to leave people hanging. Like, yeah, they'll give us some answers. I think they're going to give us some Paul answers. But just because that storyline's been going on for a long time. But Lynette and Tom, I just feel in my stomach that we're going to be left on this note. Like, that's what you want to do? Yes. But we're not going to know what they're wanting right. to do. We're just going to know that they both decided to do it. Yeah. Like something like that. And I'm just going to be like, no. And I'm going to be pounding my head into the table going, I can't wait for months. Or whatever yeah, it's whatever it is. I know, I know what you mean. And then the other thing I'm remembering seeing is is Paul Young fall over. And later on somebody say, there's a murder on the row. Something like that. So maybe we'll see something with murder. Um potential divorce on the line all this different stuff so it will definitely be a great finale I will be here you will be here you all better be listening and watching the best show in the air our lovely Desperate Housewives we will see you next week our fellow fans happy Mother's Day from producers Kevin Undergaro and Phil Svitek engineer DJ Jesse Janity and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. If you have questions or comments, be sure to buzz us at info at AfterBuzzTV.com. And you can find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter by searching for AfterBuzzTV. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzzTV or its owners or principals. Buzz Buzz you later. later!